I left the city, I've been browsed. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Michael Royer. This is actually episode 181 and a little bit of a continuation from our week two talk that we had last time where we really covered the running back position. We talked about those PPR backs, those guys that are about to ascend into the new top 12. This episode, we're going to concentrate a little bit more on the wide receivers, go over the rest of the game slates. Nobody better to chop it up with than my main man, Snoog. How you doing tonight? We're doing great, Dan, and thank you for having me on. Thank you for getting this rolling as always i mean we've been connecting we've been building that that strong podcast duo chemistry along together for a while now and it's time to keep it going so i can't wait to talk wide receivers with you after a dreadful week too i mean i i think i got absolutely smoked in like 50 percent of my league so i'm excited to finally talk about some wide receivers and talk myself into buying some of the wide receivers that we're going to tell you guys to buy yeah, and I know week one went 17 and one. This week was 15 and three, but the wide receiver position has been that staple, right? Like we've talked about building our teams with elite level wide receivers. You look at some of the top 10 running backs and you're, you're, you're looking at players that you would not have expected at all. Raheem Mostert in there, Tyler Algier, uh, Brian Robinson, Kyron Williams. And then you, you know, look at the wide receivers and you have a lot more of those stable guys, you know, almost – Looking at the top 12, aside from Puka, you got Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen, Devonta Smith, Brandon Ayuk, Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Chris Olave, right? So like that position, like we've talked about, has a lot less variance. That's why we want to build our dynasty teams to have those stud wide receivers to be in that area. So let's start talking about the wide receivers here in this first game. Calvin Ridley went berserk week one right and everybody was moving him way up their rankings moving him you know I had a lot of people say hey I'm moving him above Devontae Adams I'm moving him above Cooper Cup and I, I said okay it's one week we usually talk about the patience the other way I am a firm believer that Calvin Ridley is going to you know be a 1,000 to 1,200 you know he's going to be a wide receiver one but I think we hit the button too soon right like we're like one game back we got excited to say he's better than Devontae Adams is a sh- a big slight on Devontae Adams, who's been top five year after year after year while Calvin Ridley was out of football. Yeah, I mean, Calvin Ridley's a phenomenal talent. He, he's showing us that he is that elite separator that the Jaguars needed at all three levels that Christian Kirk lacks. But, I mean, 19 targets for the first two weeks is all you need to look at to know that he's mm-hmm. back, he's ready to roll. I mean, this is the second game playing with this offense and this team in general. Second game back from football since 2021. So, I mean, Calvin Ridley, I'm all in on him this year, and I think he's going to be a great talent. And I think he has top 10 upside from here on out in this Jaguars offense as Trevor Lawrence's go-to. So, trade for Calvin Ridley. Some trades that, Dad, I want to ask you, like, 
And from a redraft perspective and dynasty's perspective, like who are some guys that you would be looking to like move off of Calvin Ridley for in redraft straight up? And what are some insulated trades you'd be looking for in dynasty to kind of move off of Calvin Ridley for? Like who's those guys you're looking for that you're like, all right, this guy's better than or as good as Calvin Ridley and I can get a plus for him. That, that's a tricky spot trying to find someone that actually is in that area because he is super talented and a lot of people still don't have his value right. Like if I am if I own Calvin Ridley in Dynasty, which I have a lot of shares of, and my 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 win now teams, I mean, I'm not really looking to make many moves. If I'm trying to get an insulated trade, you're not gonna get a first on top of too many, you know, like you could get Nico Collins in a first. You might be able to get, you know, Marvin Mims, who's had a couple nice games, Gabe Davis in a first. Maybe you move to Keenan Allen plus something that's a an early second. I, I think we're in an area where Calvin Ridley's kind of – I'm not saying he's in no man's land. I have him in the same tier. Right now I have him as my wide receiver 22 in the same tier as Brandon Ayuk, Christian Watson, DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, and Puka Nakua. Now I think if you want to move around in that tier – Ridley's going to have the best season out of those guys. I think Calvin Ridley is is really close to that Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup area for me. But I have no problem if you're trying to, if you're not win now, yeah, go get Brandon Ayuk. Cut five years off that, you know, get that younger player. Go get Christian Watson. Maybe get George Pickens plus, you know, get Quentin Johnson, who's just been, just people are dropping down like crazy, but the talent is still there. So, I mean, I think there's some value to be had. But if I am not win now, yeah, give me Jordan Addison for Calvin Ridley. Give me Zay Flowers. Let me move in that direction where I get a 22-year-old stud and cut off seven years. I don't think you're in an area where you're going to be adding too much on top of him. I mean, if you can give Calvin Ridley and a, and a first to get to Olave, maybe. To maybe Amon Ross St. Brown to get younger okay. and to be in that area. But Calvin Ridley's a fun one. You know, like I, I think I'm, I'm firmly still buying. I think I'm looking at some trades where – Calvin Ridley straight up for Cooper Cup. Calvin Ridley for a random 24 first. J-Mo and, and a 24 first for Calvin Ridley. Dotson in two seconds. You know, like, I think I think Calvin Ridley's in an interesting area where now he's appropriately priced. He was underpriced before the season. He was overpriced after week one. I think we're getting a little bit of correction, especially because of the game that Christian Kirk had. I mean, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley dropped two touchdowns. You know, there are two opportunities here where if he caught both of those passes where he had drops, in the end zone or, you know, that would have been touchdowns. We'd be talking about, let's start seeing if we can make him a dynasty wide receiver one again, you know, and I don't, I don't think we're quite there because Christian Kirk had a great game. I mean, Christian Kirk, I think had, uh, what do he have? 11 catch, 11 catches for 110 yards who also dropped some passes. So I think Trevor Lawrence is a huge buy after this game. I think a lot of people, you know, they, they kind of judged him on this 22 of 41 for 200 yards gets a little bit rushing in there, but I think this offense is going to be fine. ETN had a down week. Ridley had a down week. Lawrence had a down week. The offense is going to be fine. If you can use this as an opportunity to buy any, go for it. On the other side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes just keeps being Patrick Mahomes. You know, like he is the unquestioned with the weapons he has thrown for 305 yards and two touchdowns. He is the unquestioned QB one. There's no debate on it in my mind anymore, but are we are we willing to buy in on Sky Moore's game? Sky Moore had a nice performance here. A lot of people are asking me questions about Rashi Rice. You know, Kadarius Tony is not going to be a thing. We're already past that. So is Sky Moore? Are we expecting what we saw week one, or did we just get a sell window where we can finally get rid of Sky Moore? 
I've never been a Sky Moore guy, and, I, and I'm not going to convince myself that he's a good good football player because I still think he's just above average, maybe average, and I don't see the opportunity being there for any of the Chiefs wide receivers. But if there's one that you're going to buy, it's Rashi Rice. Bigger body, good downfield, good in the contested catch areas, and that's what separates yourself as that number one target and that go-to target for the elite quarterbacks is they want a guy they can trust. They want a guy that can make a play covered or not. And Sky Moore is not a guy that can make a play covered or not. It's a gadget type player that needs the ball in his hands. He needs to get open on crossers and deep routes. He's just not, he's just not a, I never liked him. People are taking him over Chris Olave and George Pickens and like rookie drafts. And I was literally like, so against that tweeting every day, like do not take Sky Moore over Chris Olave rookie drafts. People didn't listen. People still did it, but, I'm not all in on Sky Moore at all. And I, I mean, I think Rashi Rice is the go-to guy there in Kansas City. But I think, honestly, the only option is Travis Kelsey. Trade for Travis Kelsey. He looked phenomenal in a week in his week back. I know that was super quick back for like, what, do you have a knee bruise or something weird like that? So thought they rushed him back a little too quick. But he came back. He's pretty sure he scored a touchdown. He looked great. He's going to continue to be an absolute monster with Patrick Mahomes. And that connection is just going to be electric all year. He's going to be the tight end one overall this year again. So that's where I'm targeting on this Kansas City Chiefs offense. All right. Going over to the Texans and Colts. I think we, you know, we're trying to stick with the wide receiver theme. Nico Collins has been a top 10 wide receiver. And Michael Pittman's target share, you know, another eight grabs for 56 yards, looks to be what we wanted last year. We wanted Michael Pittman to have a breakout, you know, and and he became a post-hype sleeper where he his value got really depressed like to a point where i think you could buy him for less than a 24 first you know he was getting in that second plus range and i think he has the talent and obviously he's been catching the eye of anthony richardson as has your boy josh downs you know another four grabs for 37 yards and i know that's not huge numbers but as a rookie under the radar he's right there the question for me right now is anthony richardson two games Elite level production, but he got injured again. You know, he gets the concussion here. Are we worried at all? You know, like, are we worried that this is a scenario where as a guy that is a primary rusher, guy that is, he's been injured two weeks in a row. You know, he was five for six for 50 yards and a rushing touchdown on the opening drive, scored on the second on the ground, lost, you know, like he has looked really good. 19 to 23 for 171 in a touchdown when Minshew came in. I think this is an area where, we have to at least look at Anthony Richardson's injury possibilities. I'm not worried because I think he's a phenomenal talent, and I think that he's going to continue to just become a better passer. This is why he was everybody's QB1 in this rookie class coming out in fantasy football because of what he can do on the ground. I mean, he's looking at Cam Newton out there. If he can continue to progress as a passer, get through his progressions, make his reads, not turn the ball over, make the smart throws, target Michael Pittman, Josh Downs, Alec Pierce. If they can establish a run game, a consistent run game, Jonathan Taylor comes back. This offense is going to be a lot better, and I'm not worried because you can't really base it off like a thigh bruise and a concussion. Like That's not really like a like scalable injury. Those are just the luck of the draw. If it was soft tissue stuff, then I'd be a little worried, but like rolling your ankle, getting a concussion, like that's stuff that just happens. That's football. He's going to come back. He's going to play in week four, and he's going to probably rush for another touchdown. I mean, he, he threw over 56 passing yards in that game and had yeah. 17 fantasy points. So it's like you know, that's, his that's ceiling just... is so high. And like, Dad, I want to kick it to the other side of the ball. Let's talk about C.J. Stroud. I mean, this is a quarterback that we were all super high on as a prospect. We all thought he was going to be the number one overall pick. Yeah. 
Or Let's Ryan. Go we all. It was you, you and I. You know, like the industry as a whole was out on CJ Stroud. You know, and I think he looked great. I think he looks four linemen dead. Four linemen are out. Four out of five of the starters. They're like down to like me and you playing tackle for the Texans out there with our gear on trying to block pretty pain. Yeah, 384 yards, two touchdowns, and has absolutely just keyed in on Nico Collins, who caught another seven for 146 and a touchdown. Tank Dell, seven for 72 and a touchdown. And I'm with you. I mean, CJ Stroud, I have above Bryce Young again, you know, I think Anthony Richardson value wise is, is, is fantastic and tough to buy. CJ Stroud definitely took a jump up, you know, and I think it in dynasty Knife. values, he's moving his way up the, up the ranks. He's quite not a turning bit. the ball over, which is interesting. No. He's taken sacks, but like that offense is online is so bad. He's not turning the ball over. He's making anticipation throws. He's looking comfortable out there. Like Bryce Young, does not look comfortable out there. I mean, mm-hmm. Bryce Young still looks good. He's showing his flashes. He's showing why he was the number one overall pick, but he's turning the ball over and he he's panicking back there. And that's one thing CJ Stroud is not doing. And that's what everybody knocked him for and thought he would do with that Ohio State offensive line. So I'm excited to see CJ Stroud this year. He's he's the QB one in this class from a pure talent quarterback perspective. Mm-hmm. And I hope they can build around him and get that offensive line to block for him. A lot of people are asking me, you know, Dad, what do I do with with Justin Fields? How do I move that? I mean, I'm seeing a lot of trades of, of Anthony Richardson straight up for Justin Fields. I am seeing, and what I've been advocating is Jordan Love or C.J. Stroud plus a first. If you're really trying to move off, you know, if you're if you're not comfortable yeah, with where you are on, on Fields, you know, like I yeah. think that's a, a decent play. Uh, yeah. My question with Anthony Richardson right now is, you know, the, the trades that I've been seeing are. Is, CJ, or I'm sorry, Anthony Richardson straight up for CD Lamb. Anthony Richardson straight up for Jamar Chase. Anthony Richardson straight up for Justin Fields. I mean, is he a top ten dynasty asset now? You know, is he in that area? And if you're if you're drafting right now, would you take him over CD Lamb, over Jamar Chase, over Justin Fields? I don't think I'm there yet, but I think he's. There's, I think he's going to be more valuable than Justin Fields eventually. I think he's the better quarterback. I think he has a better arm. He has a better deep ball. He's more accurate down the field. And I think Justin Fields can be better, but those are two guys that were are super close in value. And they were like a whole round off in startup value before the season started. That gap closed. Anthony Richardson's right there in that like late first, early second round range for me. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. Like CJ Stroud is over Bryce Young for me. He always has been. Anthony Richardson is up top just with that rushing upside. But I mean, CJ Stroud, He's making Nico Collins. He's making us think that like Nico Collins is the next Michael Pittman. So, I mean, well, this is what we're talking about. QB values can change, and especially when they start off hot. Most of them don't start off hot. Most of them struggle. So, now we're looking at a real-world scenario where they're closing the gap on like Justin Fields, Kyler Murray, all those type of quarterbacks. Let's, let's – you said Nico Collins. I've moved him up to, you know, my, my wide receiver 36 in Dynasty, which is on the, you know, Tier 8 – in that early second range, would you pay an early second for Nico Collins right now? Smash or pass? Smash. It's worth would the a, Would you pay a first? No, I'm not there. Yeah, no. That's where I'm at. So I'm going to go over a list of guys. Did, but. No, I'm going to go over a list of guys that I have in that same area. And I just want to know this guy or or, or Nico Collins rapid fire. fire Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks. Burks. Terry McLaurin. Terry. Jamison Williams. Nico. Deontay Johnson. 
Nico. Uh, Hollywood Brown. If Kyler's back, Marquis, but right now, Nico. Right? So, like, there's an interesting yeah. area here where where he is an absolute – somebody that, you know, we've, we've said put on the back end of your bench, get thrown in some trades, and now he's definitely paying out. So, I'm excited for yeah. Nico Collins. I'm not advocating giving up any first. I could see maybe 25 first if you are an absolute baller team. But like we talked about before, there's a lot of wide receivers to go out there and buy. Give me Keenan Allen for a 24 second instead, you know, and I'm going to go that route and win all day, you know. But I, I do like the production. I do like the the target share so far. You can't talk about wide receivers without talking about these next two teams. We're going to talk Lions and Seahawks, some of the best wide receivers in the game right here. Seattle, DK Metcalf, you know, like I'm playing around with my rankings here, and I've I've moved it back where I think DK Metcalf is in that same tier as Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I know you won't like it. I know that'll probably be, you know, semi-offensive, but I've moved him into that same area where I have them as my wide receiver 12 and wide receiver 13 in Dynasty. A lot of people really want to see something from JSN right now. How patient should we be? I think we should be very patient because I think JSN is a wide receiver that is an elite talent. He can do it all. And he's commanding targets early on. He's not producing at a high level, but he's commanding those targets. I think he had eight targets last week in his second game ever. And, like, this is a guy that just broke his hand and came back early. So, like, be patient with him. He's super talented. Geno Smith hasn't looked too, too great early on. Great week last week for Geno. But we, we need to let this settle in. I mean, he's a long-term aspect. Like, think, like, CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, like, 800, 900 yards as a rookie. Like, that's what I'm expecting for JSN. Like, maybe that mid-800 range like Jerry Judy was. And like maybe like 60, 70 catches. Like he's going to be like a top 40, top 35 wide receiver. And he's going to have some games where you're like, oh my God, this guy is like, this is why he's a top 12 dynasty wide receiver. But he's also going to have some games like, why is he JSN playing? Where Where is he? Why isn't he on the field? Like mm-hmm. that's what happens when you play in a crowd of room and that he's just going to get blessed with a good situation where he's going to shine like Jordan Addison, where he's competing against like KJ Osborne and like the highest passing volume offense in the NFL or Zay Flowers, where he's like the clear number one option and like, Bateman stinks and Odell's hurt. Like he's just not in that situation. So we got to be patient with him, but he's still without a doubt, the best wide receiver in this class. Yeah. And I, I think we're, we're getting a buy window. Cause I had a, a lot of people asking, Hey, would you trade straight up for Addison? And I'm um, JSN is a better player. If you are trying to move JSN, I would not be moving him for Addison. I'd be tearing up to Amon Ross St. Brown. I'd be tearing up to one of these absolute stud alphas because that's not the direction you're trying to go. It's just just a lateral movement that's going to pay off maybe for a couple of weeks, and then it's going to fall off. So many great pass catchers in this. I mean, Tyler Lockett, we we advocated buying for a pair of thirds. He goes out and has a great game again. Uh, Seattle ball, the biggest takeaway for me is Kenneth Walker is back, baby. Like, Zach Charbonnet is, is an afterthought. Kenneth Walker, I've moved into as my RB10. I'm stoked to see what he can do the rest of the way. And on the other side of the ball, Jameer Gibbs, what, nine targets this week. Jameer Gibbs is going to be – is this the week, right? Week three. Is this where we see him truly break out? You know, David Montgomery's out with the injury, possibly two to three weeks. Craig Reynolds came in the game. He's going to be viable. He's going to be someone that's going to play. But what can we expect from Jameer Gibbs week three? Everyone's asking, like, Dad, you and Gibbs keep – or you and Gibbs. You and, and Snoop keep talking about Gibbs, Gibbs? and he keeps disappointing. <laughs> I, I'm all in on him this week. I, I think his time will come. I mean, he, he played two two weeks already, and he looked really good in both of those. Last week he had seven 
catches for nine targets like that. How many rookie running backs, do you know, that do that early on? Like this is the guy that's going to be an elite pass catcher, just like we all thought. He has that four, three speed. They're going to get the run game going against the chiefs. who's a much better defense than the Seahawks last week. Like he ran all over them on unlimited amount of touches. He broke six tackles during that time span, which was the most in the NFL. It actually might've been seven, which was the most in the NFL by like a lot. He was averaging like a whole like broken tackle per carry. Like, that's so crazy how good he is, especially with the ball in his hand. So, Amon Ross St. Brown's turf toe injury lingers, and he he misses time. He's going to be competing with Josh Reynolds and Marvin Jones and Khalif Raymond for, like, touches out of the back, like, for touches downfield. And you're going to see a lot of design screenplays, Texas routes, options, all that type of stuff, wheel routes. You're going to see him getting the ball in the hands. He's been doing a lot of, like, little out routes and, like, more downfield. Like, he's not just catching swing routes. Like, he's catching the ball downfield, like, five plus yards, 10 plus yards downfield. That's what's huge is the efficiency in the passing game. We're going to see that ramp up and Jameer Gibbs is going to be very deadly as soon as the Lions let him unleash. Jared Goff, Geno Smith, they're exactly what we told you they were going to be all off season. They're going to be, you know, borderline QB ones with Goff right now at 11 and Geno at 17. You know, both these guys are guys that in super flex, I will buy for a late 24 first. I'll buy for a random 25 first. They're going to be a great fill-in considering that the elite eight, those big-time quarterbacks, cost you so much. So, you know, Cousins, Geno, Goff, I know we keep saying it every week, but they're cheap. Go out and get them. Absolutely. Moving over to to the next game, and obviously Amon Ross St. Brown is going to miss this week with turf toe, but I think we have a absolute alpha here that people still just aren't caught up on yet. He is a lot closer to the – the Waddle, you know, maybe even AJ Brown tier than than what people want to admit. So let's talk about moving over to Denver and Washington. So Denver, we see Jerry Judy's going to come back this week. This is going to be, you know, an offense that's going to be clicking on all cylinders. We look at at the Commanders. Talk to me a little bit about what you saw this game. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson's stats I thought were were added because of the you know the uh, the hail mary there at the end of the game. What are we doing with these two offenses? Because Sam Howell looked good. Washington's got some questions on both sides. I mean, this is a very tricky team, right? People are saying Javante Williams looks good, but he's not getting that elite level you know, uh, usage. Same thing on the other side. Brian Robinson has been an absolute stud so far. Yeah, I mean, this is these are two of the most like polarizing, like weird offenses that you just they're going to give you so many inconsistent weeks and then they're going to give you weeks where you're like, why don't I own any of these guys? I mean, I had a chance to dive through like all of Sam Howell's throws from like the past two weeks. And I've overall been super impressed with it. I know he's been turning the ball over a lot. His pocket awareness isn't great. And that's going to come with time. Like that's, that's his third ever start in the NFL. Like that's going to get better. He's been very good with throwing the football through tight windows, making great reads, extending the play with his legs, running that ball in the end zone. Like he's been playing as that dual threat quarterback, like that that prime Baker Mayfield type vibe that we always got from him coming out of UNC. And he's finally displaying it to us. He's got Dotson, he's got Terry, Brian Robinson in the run game. Like that offense is gonna show us sometimes that like, okay, these guys got some ballers on it. They're 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 getting there. And then we're gonna be like, okay, what the hell are they doing? Like they they look like shit. But I think Terry McLaurin's just going to be the alpha dominating the targets in this offense for sure. And I think Jahan Dotson's going to be kind of more of that touchdown or bust type guy. He's mm-hmm. super talented. And this offense is just overall really solid. 
it's just going to come down to Sam Howell. And overall, from the start, like I said, I'm impressed. So I'm hoping that he can continue to build on from that. But the Denver Broncos side, I mean, Russ doesn't look as bad as he did last year, which is good. I think Sean Payton finally came to save the day with that. Jerry Judy's finally back. His first game back, they eased them in. But we're expecting Jerry Judy, Marvin Mims, Cortland Sutton, healthy Javante Williams, Russell Wilson, Sean Payton's offensive mind. We're going to get this offense rolling. We're going to see Jerry Judy making a lot of yak plays. This offense has been too many dump-offs. I'm, I'm sick of that. You got Marvin Mims and Jerry Judy. Use them downfield. Let them get the ball in their hands and let them make plays after the catch and let Russ feast because Russ is not good when you're having him throw five-yard checkdowns. Like, let him show off that arm like we saw in that connection to Marvin Mims downfield. I got up. I was screaming. I love Marvin Mims. But, Dad, I want to ask you a question. How far apart is Sam Howell and Russell Wilson for you in Dynasty Fantasy Football? Where do you see them kind of finishing as QBs this year from a redraft perspective? And if you do not like either of them, who are like the quarterbacks in that range that you're trying to tear off to? Beautiful question. So right now, just updated it. I have them in the exact same tier. I have Russell Wilson as my QB 22 and I have Sam Howell as my QB 25. Both of them worth an early second. I would not pay a first for any of them. Um, Sam Howell, like week one, looked a lot different than he did week two, right? Like against Arizona, I thought he was going to ball out in week one and did not do it. This week, almost 300 yards and two touchdowns. So I'm in that area where I I look at the tier above, like I said, with Cousins, Goff, Geno, and even Per for me, I have above them. But then in this tier here with Mac Jones, and I'm close to making Sam Howe be above Kenny Pickett. You know, like this is an area where I think Sam Howe could be worth a first round pick by the end of the year. Russell Wilson, I'm still not getting the vibe. He looks a little bit better, but I'd like to sell on the high. Moving over to the next game, Rams-Niners. This is what we got to talk about. This is what everybody wants to talk about. Puka Nakua, second in the league in receiving yards, only behind Justin Jefferson. Number one in the NFL in targets. Number one in the NFL in receptions. Number two overall in Tennessee, only behind, you know, uh, behind Tyreek Hill at this point. He is number one in yards after the catch. This is not what we saw from a guy that we thought was a fifth-round rookie pick, right? So, I mean, if the Cooper Cup injury happens, who knows what Puka is? The question everybody's asking me is, what do I get for what do I give for Puka Nakua, right? After week one, I said sell for any second. I can't can't get behind that now, right? Like we wanted to sell for a second. Now we absolutely have to get a first, and not just a regular first, but almost a mid first. I have moved him up my wide receiver rankings because we've never seen anything like this. I have it right now as my wide receiver uh, 20, right in the same area as Ridley, Ayuk, uh, you know, Christian Watson. I can't move him above Devontae Adams. I can't move him above Cooper Cup or Zay Flowers. You know, but I think I firmly have him above, you know, Jahan Dotson. I have him above, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I have him above Quentin Johnson. I have him above Jerry Judy. And trades that I'm seeing, man, like some of these trades are nuts. A guy asked me yesterday, hey, man. Dad, I got I got to know, Puka Nakua in the first or, or Jamar Chase? Whoa, 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 whoa. Jamar Chase is an elite-level player. This is a unbelievable situation that we've seen with Puka Nakua over these two weeks. You have to have him in your lineup. But I'm saying if, you know, fifth-round rookie picks don't usually pan out like this. If you can give up a, a second 
on top of Puka and get JSN. If you can move yourself up to the elite level area and give up a first and get Amon Ross St. Brown, get Jalen Waddle, get AJ Brown, because that's a feasible trade right now. And that blows my mind. Yeah. I'm honestly in as much of shock as you are because pre-draft, I didn't even give this guy the time of day. I barely watched his tape. I didn't think he was great at all. I, I think I watched like maybe like 45 minutes worth of Puka, Puka film. And I was totally like, I don't like this guy. Like, doesn't show me anything that stands out. Like he, he is pretty solid at everything, but he doesn't stand out to me. And then, I mean, I was right. He was a fifth round pick. The NFL clearly thought the same way I did, but the Rams seem to see something in him. Hardworking kid just understands football well, and he, he has a really good IQ. And honestly, that's all that matters at some point in fantasy football and in the NFL. If you're smart enough to know that you need to be here at this time and the ball is going to be there, then you're going to make plays and you're going to be a consistent player in the NFL. Like we saw it with Cup, Robert Woods, those style of guys. They're not the best. Like Robert Woods wasn't like the best route runner. He wasn't super fast. He wasn't big. Like he was just a smart football player. Same with like Doug Baldwin, Julian Edelman, just quick route running guys, getting the ball in their hand. They kept good hands. That's what Puka is. And I mean, I traded Puka for a 24 first straight up and the league was kind of just like, like, yeah, like it, it seemed normalized, which is weird to me because it was like, I was expecting like, veto that. Like, why did you just let that through? And everyone was just like, yeah, like that's what I'd pay for Puka. Like that's what yeah. Puka should go for. So yeah. it's becoming normalized now. So what happens? I mean, we know Matthew Stafford loves to key in on one guy, right? Like the target share, I think week one was like, what, 51%? And this week was like 42%. And Cooper Cup's been the apple of his eye. So let's say Cooper Cup comes back week five. And I'm seeing a lot of people trading Puka straight up for Cooper Cup. And I'm like, oh. Okay. All right. Interesting situation. You know, I think in, in redraft, you got to ride the wave, right? In dynasty, like I said, I'm trying to tear up. I'm not actively going out and trying to buy him just because of process over results. And I know I'm going to get a lot of, a lot of people saying, you know, dad, you know, like you said, go buy Puka, but like, what am I going to trade? Am I going to give you a, a 24 first plus? Am I going to go into that area? You know, like I would rather try to use the capital, just like we talked about with DeAndre Swift, right? Polarizing player. Let's use him as a asset to build up to get Chris Olave, to build up to get, you know, Garrett Wilson, to build up to get T. Higgins, Devonta Smith. So the, the trades that I've been seeing for Puka, a lot of them are really, really hefty. I mean, you look at, he came in as wide receiver 81 pre-draft process in the same area as Isaiah Hodgins and Khalil Shakir, right? Like that, that's, insane now i'm seeing i saw let's let's look at a couple of trades from the patreon puka nakua for dk metcalf i mean like dk metcalf is a stud coming out of college that's an absolute no-brainer you know uh puka nakua for nico collins in a second nico collins is balling out you know like this is a, an area where i don't have any problem with there um puka nakua and tony pollard for jameer gibbs I think this is another situation where you're using two players that are playing well now to move up to an asset that's going to absolutely ball out. Pukakua and Bo Samuels for Tyreek Hill. Pukakua for, you know, Christian Watson straight up. Uh, let's see. I mean, like these trades, here, Puka and Jordan Addison for, for Travis Etienne. You know, like there's a lot of trades and we talk about it all the time. Now is the time to make sure we are making adjustments. The adjustment is he's a must start. The adjustment for me is I got I to gotta at least kick the tires and see what somebody's willing to pay for Puka Nakua because I can't, by process, go out and buy him. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I'm selling him, if anything. I, I'm going to try to go through after this, and I have him in, like, four more leagues. I'm just going to try to flip him into, like, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, all those guys, see what I have to add. It's crazy to do it. Yeah. I'm just going to try to throw, like, a first on top and try to get C.D. and see what they do. They'll probably tell me I'm crazy, but. Yeah, I think that's absolutely – that's absolutely the way to go. Um, let's look on the, you know, Matthew Stafford has been sharp, yet I don't want to, you know, understate how fantastic he has looked, you know, up over 300 yards a game. Again, this game against, against you know, 49ers. I mean, we, Puka was 15 for one. You know, Matthew Stafford throws for, what, 280 plus. You know, we're, this is an area where this offense looks pretty legit. On the other side of the ball, Debo popped back up. You know, is the 49ers offense, Ayuk had the amazing week one. We look at he plays well down the stretch in week two. All good things for Brock Purdy. But is this a matter of like one week we're going to see Kittle go off? One week we're going to see Ayuk. One week we're going to see Debo. Did we jump too quick on Ayuk, who I think is an absolute stud? You know, like there were a couple options here where uh, Brandon Ayuk missed a deep touchdown. You know, they overthrew him. Debo actually was running the ball again, five carries for 38. So is it a resurgence of Debo or is this every week we're going to just be Christian McCaffrey and one of these guys is going to go off? I really think it's going to be that, but I think Ayuk is a guy that can be the most consistent wide receiver in this offense just because how good of a route runner he is. He just makes it easy for Brock Purdy. And I honestly think George Kittle's second up because he's one of the best tight ends from a pure talent perspective in the NFL. I know he started off a little bit slow, but I know he's been pass blocking a lot more and in these type of um, wide receiver sets they've been coming out in and he's been kind of being more of like a like a second left tackle for the 49ers. But I think George Kittle is easily one of the best tight ends in the league. He offers so much off uh, after the catch with his yak ability and his, his speed and explosiveness. And I think with the connection him and Purdy built last year, averaging over 18 points per game while Purdy was at the helm. I think there's a real world where George Kittle is going to turn it on out of nowhere and become a top three tight end for the rest of the way because he's just so talented. He had that issue. He was, I think he had a groin injury for a little bit. That could be part of the reason why he has been a little quiet early on. But don't forget who George Kittle is. Him and Brock Purdy had that connection already built, and I think it's going to be him and Ayuk kind of being those number one playmakers in this offense. As much as I love Debo, I just hate that CMC's there because I just think that he literally plays the Debo role that Debo is so good at. So there is some clashing with that. But George Kittle, bye. Brandon you bye. That whole offense is just a bye, in my opinion. Let's move from uh, offense that's an absolute bye to this Cardinals-Giants game, right? So oh. we watched the, the first half, and the Giants just looked absolutely – Hard. I mean, the offense looked ridiculous from that to Daniel Jones in the second half, almost a perfect QB rating ends up the week as the QB one with 30 over 31 fantasy points. Saquon doing Saquon things, but he gets injured. I think we're in an area where Darren Waller is going to start eating. I think Darren Waller now has to become a lot more of a focal point with Saquon Barkley out. My question for you is Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones. Is he, is he a back-end QB1 or is he a pretender? A lot of people really want to push him into that area. He looked – it's a tale of two halves. He looked horrible in the first half. Should we use – you know, a lot of times 
fantasy owners, they don't listen to this podcast. They don't watch the games. They just see that Daniel Jones had 31 fantasy points. Should we be tearing up or tearing off of Daniel Jones? And if so, who would we be going for? Yeah, I think I'm tearing off him. I never, I've never liked Daniel Jones. I've always thought he is just so mid and he makes horrible decisions, but he gets away with his legs and then sometimes he looks great. So he's just an absolute roller coaster at the position. And people were trying to squeeze him into like the top, like 12, top 14 dynasty QBs. Like he's always been outside of that for me. I always preferred like Tua and like Stroud, Richardson. Tear up from dimes to that tier. Go get Shroud. Go get Richardson. Go get Bryce Young. Go get your Tua. Go get your Dax. Like, get off of dimes. Like, that offense stinks. The, the offensive line's horrible. The only player I want to own in that offense personally is Saquon Barkley, just because he's just an absolute bell cow and he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. So that's who I'm trying to buy right now. But, Dad, if you are on the clock and you have to choose between three quarterbacks, who are you taking and why? Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, C.J. Stroud. You know who it is for me. It's Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray just posted a video that he's ready again. And, like, Josh Dobbs is keeping the team. I mean, they got a win. They looked – they were competitive week – or, I'm sorry. They were – almost got the win this week. They were competitive week one. You know, I think there's a real-world scenario where a lot of people thought Kyler Murray wasn't going to come back at all. I think Kyler Murray's just talent-wise, he's my QB 10. Daniel Jones, you. he's my he's my QB sixteen. I would take. I have moved Stroud above him. Stroud is now my QB fourteen. I have another question for you. A little bit spicier. Are we in the type of situation where next this time next year Jordan Love has more value than Daniel Jones? I have Jordan Love as my QB seventeen, one spot below Daniel Jones, and in the same tier. I'm paying a mid first for Jordan Love over over Daniel Jones right now. Like that's, that's just where I'm at. And I know it's just a one week sample size or two week sample size, but I just like what I've seen. And Daniel Jones did it all with his legs last year, this year, week one struggled mightily week two, second half was great. The first half wasn't I'm advocating selling up. Like you said, to Tua, to, to, you know, Anthony Richardson, to Trevor Lawrence, to even, you know, in that CJ Stroud rage, or I'm going to scale back. To those three guys I keep talking about, Goff, Cousins, and Geno, that's how you win. You know, like you move off the more volatile assets to the guys you know are going to actually pan out for you. It's a, it's, it's a weird area, right? Like it's an interesting time to do that. We talked about Tua, and I'm glad we, we move into that area. I want to talk about the Dolphins and Patriots game. Um, you know, I, the, the quarterback play on Tyreek Hill was phenomenal. They, they blanketed him. He still had a, you know, a, a semi-productive game. I want to talk about Jalen Waddle being an absolute spy right now. A lot of people are starting to they're starting to sour on Jalen Waddle after two games because two has been the primary target there. But I think Jalen Waddle is an absolutely elite talent. He's still my wide receiver seven in Dynasty. But I'm seeing trades like I saw Bryce Young straight up for Jalen Waddle. I saw George Pickens and Ryan Tannehill for Jalen Waddle. Uh, with Russell Wilson and Mike Williams, DK Metcalf and a second, Jordan Love and a and and a twenty five first. You know, like uh, Jalen Waddle and two first for Jamar Chase. Jalen Waddle is just that's that's not enough for Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Jalen Waddle is an elite dynasty wide receiver. There's going to be a lot of 
a lot of headaches with Bryce Young early on. And we thought that that Panthers O-line is pretty solid. Like there's a lot of good solid pieces on that team. They have good tackles. They got some good interior linemen. I actually think for the first time that we can finally say that he's a quarterback that is not producing how he should. And I, I give him the pass because he's a rookie, but if we're going to really give excuses, then give all the excuses we need to CJ Stroud because he has the by far worst offensive line in the NFL, and that's not stopping him from looking phenomenal. So I think Bryce Young just needs to pick the speed up a little bit. I think he's still getting used to things, but that learning curve is taking him a little bit more. So those S2 tests or S2 scores that everybody panicked about with CJ Stroud, those mean nothing. And now you know never to go off of those again. So I think Bryce Young just needs to turn it around a little bit. I don't think he's valued as a, like a top six, top seven dynasty wide receiver right now. He's like a top 16 quarterback for me, but they don't have their first for the future. Like the Panthers are in some some trouble now. And yeah. if he's not producing with like a, like Adam Thielen, Hurst, Chark, like he's got some good veterans on that team. Like he's in like a better situation than ZJ Stroud is, that's for sure. And he, well, he's Thielen, not showing that it is. So Thielen went hard. Right. You know? He had a really yeah. nice game. The, the weapons there are not ideal. You know, we're kind of moving off that way. Um, on the other side of the ball, I mean, we're, we're moving over to the Carolina and uh, New Orleans game. I, I want to invest in, in Chris Olave, you know, but six for 86. Derek Carr looked like he was struggling quite a bit, you know, 21 to 36 for 228 and an interception. Uh, are we going to have an area here where – you know, Derek Carr plays like he does in week one and he makes Chris Olave a wide receiver one, or we have an area we, we're going to have some up and down play with Derek Carr that's going to really minimize, not as much as Zach Wilson's going to do to to Garrett Wilson, but are we going to have a, an area here where it's just going to minimize his upside? Yeah, I don't, it's, it's tough because I, where, where do you stand at with them? Like, where's, like, your value on that, on those type of players? Because What's right now, I, I just, yeah. it's, I love both of them so much. And, and they're really just my, my, some of my favorite wide receivers in the NFL. But, like, the biasness in me wants me to still keep Garrett over him because I think Garrett's the better player. But, like, I still do. I, I don't think Derek Garrett. Carr is, like, a cemented quarterback where I'm just like, all right, he's over Garrett Wilson. Like, Derek Carr still looks horrible. Like, he's still not feeding Chris Olave like he should like Olave and Garrett Wilson are so talented like we're just waiting on them to get a franchise quarterback like so I don't think there's people are all like oh flip Garrett Wilson for Chris Olave plus or flip him for Garrett for Chris Olave Chris Olave should be over him like Garrett Wilson has so much more to his game than Chris Olave does like in those one-on-one situations like we saw against the Bills like making plays through contact in those one-on-one situations, like just separating, boom, go to like that goal line fade. Like you don't see Chris Olave doing too much of that. And the after the catch ability, like that 70 yard touchdown, he broke off. He was breaking tackles at an absurd rate last year per attempt. So Garrett Wilson just has so much more to offer after the catch and in his game in those one-on-one situations. But Chris Olave is elite as well. And those are both guys you need to target, especially in like the one year punts and stuff like go get Garrett Wilson. Like, you can afford to have him be volatile and not produce at a wicked high level right away and just get Aaron Rodgers back next year and have him be top five for you. So that's how I got to look at that. And that's how I'm trying to stay positive about it. Cause I don't like watching Zach Wilson run around with a Turkey, like a Turkey with his head cut off all game and throwing the football to Tyler Conklin's 
backplate. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're two weeks in, and Garrett Wilson has three two points, touchdowns. three points less than Chris Olave in two weeks. So, I mean, I'm not adding on top of Garrett Wilson to Chris Olave. That's that's bad. Yeah, that's bad process. You're just trying to go to a guy who you isn't the same talent wise. You know, like if you're really trying to go off of of that in a punt. Then, then move off of Olave or Wilson for London plus. Because I think yeah. you get London in a first still there, and like a lot of people really don't believe that he's in that same same area. But we're going to see that next year, you know, with when once Kyler Murray goes there. Super excited on that. You know, I think that something, something big is going to happen for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the Garrett Wilson hype train was out of control. We know that. You know, the talent-wise is there. We were going to see something absolutely special. But he's still going to be a rock-solid wide receiver, too. The only thing I can say is if you're going to do it, you might as well add to go up to A.J. Brown, to go up to C.D. Lamb, to go up to Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. Like, try to move yourself that way because you're not going to scale back. Like, if you have Garrett Wilson, you're going to – you know, like, there's no point in moving around unless maybe you get Tyreek Hill plus because you're still trying to stay in that – you know, just in that competitive nature and try to move yourself into that area. On the Sunday night affair, you know, we had two games there. I don't even want to talk about Nick Chubb. I'm still in, in some denial wow. there. Jer- Jerome Ford comes in. We talked about those insurance running backs. He looked really good. Kareem Hunt signs today. But for me, the biggest thing is the Browns offense right now. This is a time period where I think we start to see Deshaun Watson make or break. Deshaun Watson clearly, you know, bothered by some things, frustrated. Two two face mask penalties as a quarterback, you know, just completely frustrated. I think we start to see the Browns lean a little bit more into Deshaun Watson, his play style a little bit more like he was with the Texans, where it isn't Nick Chubb every carry. It isn't his show anymore. Jerome Ford is not that same level talent. Where do you have Jerome Ford this season? I mean, I saw – um, fantasy pro said RB 17 rest of the season. Kareem Hunt's coming in here, so we got to at least look at it. I, I don't think Kareem Hunt's good at all, and I think there's a reason why nobody signed him. Like, he, he is out of shape, not an explosive player at all. Like, he's lost every step of explosiveness he has. He showed that last year and the year before. So, I'm not scared of Kareem Hunt. Like, he's the least of my worries, but. They did bring him in for a reason. Like they, they, they need insurance or they need someone to be that guy to kind of split with Ford. And but Ford looked great. Like he came in six yards of carry, had like twenty mm-hmm. something fantasy points. Like scored a touchdown. Had had like what? What do you have? hundred plus yards rushing. Like mm-hmm. he looked phenomenal right away. Like he he stepped in. He filled his role. Performed. That's what you want out of a backup. He was one of my number one top priority handcuff running backs going into the season. Now I get to sit back and enjoy the six, seven shares of him that I have coming in now as a starting running back to kind of be a flex piece or a backup running back for me from a week-to-week perspective. I think he's the running back one in this offense, and Kareem Hunt's not stopping me from believing so. I like it. George Pickens with the Steelers, this was what we've been looking for, right? We, What do we believe now, you know, right? Like Kenny Pickett week one was horrible. Kenny Pickett took a step forward this week. It made it made George Pickens better. Najee Harris seems like a just gonna be a wasted talent right now. But I think 
So are we in? Are we buying back in on Pickens? What offense are we going to see? Because the Browns shut down the Bengals, but then all of a sudden Pittsburgh comes in there in prime time. Kenny Pickett puts up a good game. George Pickens goes nuts. So everyone right now is trying to buy George Pickens again. Where are you at? Yeah, I mean, we have every single reason to, right? Because he's still being undervalued. He's still super cheap. People still think Deontay Johnson's better and the number one option in this offense. But 17 targets in two weeks with Kenny Pickett looking horrific. I mean, they played the Niners and the Browns, dude. Like, those are two legit defenses with, like, really, really good defensive backs. And Pickett's is still looking phenomenal. Like, that 70-yard catch for the run touchdown that we saw just a few nights ago. Like Pickens is looking great. 17 targets. Like I still can't get over that in just two games. He's averaging eight and a half targets per game. That's huge for him because he was a guy that was not averaging that last year. Like he had 80 something targets total on the year. Deontay Johnson's guaranteed missing what four weeks now with on the IR with the hamstring injury. So clear wide receiver one in this offense now. In moving forward, we can expect eight and a half targets per game. This week, Vegas. Next week, Houston. Two very smooth, easy matchups for him and Pickett and to really get on that groove together and for Pickett to put up some numbers that we're hoping that can help produce George Pickens with some more consistent weeks and maybe some touchdown scoring weeks. So George Pickens to the moon, better than Deontay Johnson. We've been preaching this now, and now it's finally going to happen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear at you here because George Pickens – is a trade that a trade partner, somebody was asking me in the Patreon, hey, I have Garrett Wilson and a guy offered me George Pickens and a random 24 and 25 first. He said the guy finished sixth last year. So we're, we're calling him random. We're calling him mid. If you're getting two firsts on top of George Pickens for Garrett Wilson, is that a smash? I'd do it. Yeah, I told him he had to. I, guess, I, told, yeah. I mean, I feel like that CD Lamb price, and, you know, like then we're starting to debate. But for Garrett Wilson, based off of what's going on, I think that that that's an absolute smash. And I think we're starting to get into a lot of areas here where I think Pickens is 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 becoming a value. I mean, I have right here uh, Zay Flowers for George Pickens in a second. I, I love what Zay Flowers has done, but you're getting the added value on top of that. What do you think there between that Pickens or Zay Flowers? Or sorry, Zay Flowers or Pickens in a second? Oof, that's that's a really close one. They're completely different receivers, but mm-hmm. I think you got to lean with Pickens there, just because now he's like the clear number one option, and like Pickett is more of a passer than a runner, like we have in Lamar. And the Ravens' offense is crowded, but Ravens' offense is a lot better, and Zay looks phenomenal. But I think you just got to go with the plus there, get the second too, maybe use that second to go get like a add-on for like an Amari Cooper, like a Keenan Allen, and then just get production and try to win some money. So that's how I look at that type of deal. Like how can I turn George Pickens or how can I turn Zay Flowers into George Pickens and another player with that second? Like can I take my second and that second and go get Amari or go get like Keenan Allen or someone like that and then then make it like a good two-for-one return on value like that? I think right now we, we're starting to look at what's going on in college football. And there's a lot of guys in that 2024 class that look really good. What pick right now, if we say it has to be, you know, 106, 107, not mid, not random, where's George Pickens for you in it, in terms of a 24 first? I'd say he's like around that, like 111, 112 ish range. Okay. Okay. Maybe like I, was, I was a little bit more. Well, one, depending on like how. 
like beautiful the landing spots are in draft capital, but uh, I'm not impressed with this 2024 class. Like, not. I was gonna say, I was gonna say 108. I I think I'm willing to play that because you get them a a year ahead of time. But there's a lot of guys talent wise that I think could pass in there. So I I think there's only three wide receivers I'd take over him in that class, though. And then I think we're looking at like the quarterbacks, maybe. That class is so polarizing. Like right now, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, and Emeka Ibuka are like the only ones that we can pencil in. And like Drake May. Mm -hmm. I'm like so like skeptical of that class right now because there's so many players that like I think need to show me more. And like like, uh, Braylon Allen's having some struggles. Like there's just so many just iffy. Like it's going to be a deep class, but I'm nervous about the top end talent. Like I don't think we're going to get like Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, like Stroud, Richardson, Mm -hmm. Price. JSN, like it's not going to be like what six. Wants. We'll Here's get three of them, four of them, but absolutely. Here's how we got to end the podcast, though. Is it George Pickens or Buka Nakua? How are you making this trade? Oof. Like how how am I going to trade a, a wideout that just had thirty five targets and he was a fifth round pick? Thirty five. I know. Targets. I have Puka above Dude. George Pickens, but it just. I know we it keep talking about so it. It's so gross to say, but it's like I'm like a big market value guy. Like I hate it. Was I like it wasn't like a Travis Etienne or like a Garrett Wilson or like Camara? I'm not gonna overpay for like anybody unless I really like I'll overpay. I overpay for Tyree Kill a lot in leagues this year just because I like had that mindset that he was just gonna be like a top two wide receiver and like he was like a, the locked in 103 and redraft, mm-hmm. but like. I just don't like to overpay, especially if like the market is sitting at like Puka at wide receiver 20 and Pickens is like in the thirties or like late twenties. But like, I would be looking to do like Puka for Pickens plus, but if you guys have Puka right now in dynasty or redraft, you got to take him, add to him and go get an elite wide receiver. I'm talking AJ Brown, CD lamb, Devonte Smith, T Higgins, Jamar chase, Devonte Adams, Stefan Diggs, Tyree kill, Jalen Waddle, add to Puka and get one of these studs because if you can do that, then you're gonna realize that your team's in a lot better shape. You can't than you would expect. And in week five, when Cup comes back and Puka goes back to putting up nothing or putting up like ten points a game, then you're gonna be like, wow, because it, who knows? This could be a two week thing. He could come out next week, put up three points, and his value tanks again. So it's like you gotta understand that. But he could also end up being Anquan Bolden. But the people that. I saw like a list of people that like have done what he did, like just like the quickest, like most targets and like receptions within the first two games of their NFL career. And it was like such a gross list. I saw like Terry Cohen on there and all those names. So it's just like, I don't know. We've seen this before. I feel like maybe if it, I- it's a process thing, right? We're, we're definitely trying to move up there. And I, I love that. Um, I, you know, I, I see the Kamara jersey behind you. We got to talk about it. The autograph mini helmet. If you guys sign up for the Patreon right now, which right now we're doing money back guarantee. We have guys coming on, you know, ahead of the podcast to talk about things. Snoog revamped the entire discord. There are 42 rooms in there from our redrafts, you know, rankings from our dynasty rankings for our buys, our sells, our weekly rankings, our start sits, which guys are just blowing up in there. I mean, the other day I had, I went on, on my lunch break at work and I had 72 DMS like guys are blowing it up. They're having a ton of fun with it. If you guys are interested in that and be a part of a community, I mean like guys that are just talking shop 24 seven for less than a cup of coffee, go out there and do it. You know, it's definitely worth it. And you could win an Alvin Kamara autograph mini helmet, which, you know, Snoop's going to fight you for, 
but I love it. Make sure you guys go out, follow at FF Snoog. He's been putting up a lot of great content, so make sure you guys are on that. Thanks again for tuning in. Enjoy the process. Get that mini helmet.